I feel like we've all gone through this scenario. You watch a movie or a show or read a book, and when you try to talk about it with someone else, they haven't seen it. Eventually, there is an extreme point where you exhaust your list of friends and you just have to settle on the idea that the media you've consumed is at least somewhat obscure. But how obscure can you get with this? I pose this question to two people very familiar with the world of film. There's a Ken Russell film called The Devils, based upon an Aldous Huxley book that a big studio paid for, that ended up giving, in the early days of the rating system, like an X rating in the early 70s. That's Kyle Henry, an associate professor of radio, television, and film at Northwestern. As for the other person's most underground film... Probably this French film called Cosmos. There's six vignettes. One of them is about this filmmaker who was really bad at like interviews and everything, and he like can't get his words out about what his films are about or anything. And it's just like his little pot. That's Angelina Randazzo, a first year RTVF major at Northwestern. Now, while Randazzo and Henry both have their opinions, a question arises How can you measure obscurity? Unfortunately, there's no universal tool. However, a good metric can be found in the view counting feature on the film review site Letterboxd. Well, it's not a perfect estimator, the site hosts around 10 million users, so it's a decent sample size. On the site, The Devils has a decent 60,000 views, while Cosmos has a smaller 2,500 views. Now, depending on your definition of obscurity, you may find these films to fit under that category. But what about obscurity to the highest degree? A film with no views on Letterboxd? Such a film exists in a little place called Jackson County with the 2015 movie Weaver's Crossing. The movie is directed and written by James Ian Mayer, who owns the small production company Moonlight Films, which distributed this project. The story is billed as a dramedy about recently retired Sheriff Henry Turner and his estranged son Jason, who returns home to take his father's job, while an intrepid journalist chronicles their relationship for her newspaper. It's got comedy, it's got drama, it's got good journalism representation, and it was available on YouTube. So, on a Monday night, Angelina Randazzo and I sat down to become the inaugural Letterboxd viewers of Weaver's Crossing. I'll play a clip of our reactions to a scene where Henry has his second heart attack in the 63-minute movie. No! Oh, no! Henry, are you alright? Well, I'm on the floor, so I don't think I'm alright. Okay, okay, I'll get Starting to work this time. Chekhov's Chekhov's heart attack. How about you call a hospital? Dude, he's actually gonna die this time. I think I can set up a little bit, maybe. You're joking. To put it briefly, it was an experience. Randazzo has her own thoughts. There was a lot of chances for it to be profound there was a lot of chances for it to be emotional that they they ruin now while randazzo didn't care for some of the plot choices she did appreciate some of the editing i mean like the audio was always clear you could always hear what they were saying um there were no there were there were like weird cuts and everything but i mean nothing like insanely weird so it's safe to say weaver's crossing got a mixed review from randazzo but she also raised a valid question I want to know how this was promoted, though. So how does a film like Weaver's Crossing get distributed and end up on a site like Letterboxd? Kyle Henry, the RTBF professor we heard from earlier, also happens to dabble in self-production and distribution, and he has some answers. You don't need a lot of money right now to make a film anymore. Digital cameras are so cheap, you know, you can get uh, editing software that's really cheap for your laptop. Making the work 
can be a friends and family affair. And this seems to be the case for Weaver's Crossing. The editing lines up with that of most in-computer programs like iMovie, and when looking at the cast list, there are a lot of reoccurring last names. The director, James Ian Mayer, acts in the film too. As for cameras, a lot of technical advancements have made films easier to make. And I feel that since the means of production have gotten cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, like, listen, you can shoot a good film on your iPhone. The lenses, the 4K media processing, everything that comes with, like, a newer iPhone, those are more powerful cameras sometimes than what we're even shooting with within the radio TV film department. Now, while Weaver's Crossing was made back in 2015 and therefore likely didn't have things like 4K media processing, it still looks decent. So filmmaking is easier and more accessible than ever, and more people are making movies then why don't we see that reflected in our cultural landscape? Netflix, Amazon, Comcast have really bought up, gobbled up, swallowed up the competition. And they own huge swaths of the media marketplace. And so it's very difficult to find work that's made by independents or about by independent artists outside of places like the Block Museum or the Gene Siskel Center, or maybe Criterion Channel. As well as YouTube in the case of Weaver's Crossing. So we find ourselves trapped in a cinematic paradox. More movies are being made than ever before, yet fewer and fewer are getting seen. Which is why we have swaths of movies on sites like Letterboxd with 100, 10, 5, or even 0 views. Which is unfortunate because we still need the Weaver's Crossings of the world. Kyle Henry agrees. Just because the film is obscure doesn't mean it's not good. And after watching this film, even though the plot may have been ridiculous at times, Angelina Randazzo found some things to appreciate about it. It wasn't as bad as I expected it to be. I think production-wise, um, it was like it was like okay for, for something that probably didn't have like a budget at all, like just chipping out of their own money. As for my personal take, Weaver's Crossing is in Citizen Kane, but it doesn't need to be. Obviously, there was a lot of passion that went into this, and I think at the end of the day, that deserves a lot of appreciation. And I'm glad I could find this film and experience that, because while Randazzo and I may have been the first two viewers of Weaver's Crossing for Letterboxd, hopefully we won't be the last. Now to take us out, I'm going to play a reaction to the truly shocking ending of Weaver's Crossing. So if you're thinking of watching this movie, which I think you should, you might want to plug your ears. He just gets it. He just gets hit by a car. I think that's the end, yeah. Well, lesson learned. Yeah, look both ways when you drive. <laughs> wow. Yep. Wow, Weaver's... Weaver was wow. crossed. The Weaver was crossed. For WNUR News, I'm Sophia Kesa.